0: is an american workplace a podcast dedicated to re-watching and discussing nbc's beloved mockumentary series the office my name is katie white and joining me as always is my good friend and co-host chad hopkins what's up chad how are you
1: i am doing great just a-okay i am on spring break this week and i am enjoying it how about you
0: Ah, oh, but you're so rested uh i'm good i am <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Uh, No spring break for me, but um, no spring for me either, so that's just fine. (laughs) Um, Still really cold up there? Oh, of course. It's snowing. Um, (laughs) No, but life is good. Life is good. Good to hear. We have a new email. A new email. We have an email. We got an email today, actually, from Deborah or Debbie Phillips. A really nice email. She's writing to us from London. So hello across the pond and uh, to the land of the original office. Thank you so much for listening and for your kind words.
1: Yeah, and we just wanted to also mention that Ricky Gervais, speaking of the London version, uh, has a new comedy special coming out on Netflix called Humanity. Uh since we talk about a an affiliated property and he's an executive producer, we just thought we'd give him the shout out. I'm sure he appreciates us <laughs> <showing> <laughs> out to him. You're welcome, <laughs> so uh Rick. be sure to Yeah, yeah. First name basis, Ricky yeah. Rick. <laughs> but anyways, go go check that out if yeah. you're into his style of humor, I suppose.
0: I haven't seen it yet, so I can't vouch for it, but I plan on giving it a watch. Well, uh, today's first episode is Survivor Man. It aired on November 8th, 2007, directed by Paul Feig and written by Steve Carell. This is Steve's, again, first name basis, Mr. Carell's second episode <laughs> um, that he's directed so far. Sorry, written uh, so written. far, yes, uh, after Casino Night.
1: In this episode, Ryan hosted a corporate wilderness retreat for branch managers and for Toby, but didn't invite Michael. Out of jealousy and a thirst to prove himself, Michael decides to go and face the wilderness on his own, equipped with nothing but duct tape, a knife, and his own survival skills, or lack thereof. While he's gone, Jim, who has been placed in charge, tries to shake things up around the office by combining birthday parties, garnering mixed reception from his fellow employees.
0: Yeah, and as Michael says uh, later on, not the best call. Um, Jim learns that pretty early that uh he is not maybe wanting this whole manager responsibility right now so i think he feels for michael a little bit but we'll get in we'll get into that more later
1: yeah starting off with michael um he tries to play off the whole not being invited to this camping retreat thing as not a big deal i didn't want to go it was kind of gay anyways it's a whole bunch of guys in a, a tent making s'mores like who, who wants to be a part of Broken Mountain? Or whatever. <laughs> That's what he says. Uh, we, we know the reference is Brokeback Mountain, uh, but still, he, he gets the reference wrong, and he, he's trying to play it off as no big deal. So he decides, well, I'm going to show them up. I'm going to prove that I could have been a valuable asset or I could have done the same thing or same thing, but better. I don't know exactly what's going through his head, but he decides, okay, let's let's do this. D- Dwight's gonna drop me off in the middle of nowhere in the deep in the Pennsylvania wilderness. Um, which I'm sure is extensive. Yeah. And <laughs> maybe <laughs> and then just try to survive. I don't know what his end goal was. I don't know if he was trying to like find his way back to civilization or just survive for X amount of days until Dwight returned. I don't know, but uh it doesn't go exactly as he planned.
0: That's what I was wondering too. He just said I'll either live or die. Well, yeah, but will you <laughs> depend on Dwight <laughs> to come pick you up in his car? Like what's that? uh And of course, he thinks he only needs two things to survive, a roll of duct tape and a knife, um which I mean, yeah, those are probably good things to have, especially the knife, but uh probably gonna need a bit more than that especially on your first attempt I guess
1: well he does take a a large bag of Cheerios I think it was (laughs) so only the essentials yeah (laughs) it was interesting at the very beginning of the episode when this whole idea of the retreat was first being introduced and Toby was talking up and talking about how fun it was and telling him his s'mores story and all that kind of stuff and everybody has a talking head uh Pam Phyllis and Toby and they emphasize the fact yeah, Michael wasn't invited. And it just, to me, at the start of the episode, it seemed like a very un-Ryan kind of thing to do. Not the inviting Michael thing, that's very Ryan. But just the idea of a nature wilderness retreat in general doesn't seem like something Ryan would do. He seems to me like this very city slicker, uh very city life kind of guy to me. I I wouldn't have expected him to take everybody out on a camping trip.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think that's a little out of character for him. Maybe more like a guy's trip to Vegas or something. Everything seems to be a bit of a Mm -hmm. bachelor party with him. Um, But yeah, they decide to do this. Uh, We actually get a deleted scene that uh, we'll get to more of those later, of course, but where he talks about it was originally declined by corporate his idea um, to go on this camping retreat until he decided it was a green retreat and how uh anybody will approve anything if you say it's a green initiative
1: yeah i wonder if it was originally somewhere else some other destination like more along the lines of a trip to vegas or uh what's the nearby casino uh, 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 resort
0: in Jersey, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I, I
1: can't remember the name of it. Atlantic but, City. Uh, there, there's, oh, that's it. Yeah, Atlantic City. I, I would have, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the original intent, uh, but changing it to a green initiative retreat uh, gave him the go-ahead, and uh, that's why it ended up the way it was. But, anyways, um, Michael decides to have his own personal camping experience. Uh, based off of a TV show, because Michael wouldn't do it any other way. And he does invite Jim along, hypothetically, but Jim turns him down.
0: Yeah, Jim always says yes to the hypothetical game. We have a talking head with Jim, and he says, yeah, anytime Michael asks if I will hypothetically do something, I always say yes. And then when it inevitably turns into a real situation, I'm always very busy. (laughs) So he, uh, (laughs) he gets to turn Michael down, and... Then Michael kind of sour grapes and says, Oh, well, I wouldn't want to go with anyone anyway. You know, this is a spiritual, one on nature experience, and uh, I wouldn't want to have anybody with me unless, of course, you were free.
1: (laughs) Right. Unless your plans change. Nope, plans are not going to change, Michael.
0: Okay, great. (laughs) Then just me in nature.
1: Yeah. Uh, And so he he goes out with Dwight, and Dwight uh, decides to keep a watchful eye because he doesn't trust in Michael's survival skills. Um, and Michael has this video camera and keeps a video diary. And it's so painful because he's clearly trying to sort of reenact these shows that he's been watching, that that he's basing this experience off of. But that's when it becomes painfully evident that he has no experience in the wilderness with survival skills on his own. Uh, he, he says, the sun is in the two-thirds easterly quadrant. So it's about two in the afternoon. No, the sun rises in the east, Michael. So if it's still in the east, then... It's still the morning time.
0: <laughs> Not to mention, in the middle of that, he looks at his watch
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. to, to tell
0: the time. <laughs> the sun is in yeah. the two thirds easily quadrant, which makes it about uh, two o'clock. <laughs>
1: That's <laughs> excellent. <laughs> and he cuts up his suit, which I would guess is not super cheap, but because it's Michael and he's been going through financial problems, I I would guess it's not extremely expensive either. But in any case, he he decides he wants to cool off, so he cuts the legs of his pants off. And then later he decides it's too cool, so he tapes them back on with his duct tape. And as it, it's funny, he makes a comment as he's cutting his pants, I want to avoid cutting my uh, carotid artery. And... The problem with that is the carotid artery is in your neck, yep. And he's cutting around <laughs> his leg, so just more examples of him not knowing what the heck he's talking about.
0: He he uses his jacket as a quote backpack. What are you going to store in your jacket? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he fashions one of his pant legs into a hat, and then judging by the time clock or the timestamp on the camera. Just 45 minutes. Oh, sorry, just I think an hour and 45 minutes later, he puts it back on his legs. <laughs> like, I hope that was worth it.
1: We, we get a glimpse of his true feelings a little bit later in the episode when he says, you know, I'm all by myself out here. I can shout and nobody's going to hear me. It's not going to matter. And so he shouts, I really wish Ryan would have invited me on his cool retreat. So there it is. He, he wanted to go and he missed out. Uh, he shouts a couple other things, too, uh, which I'm sure we'll get to. But uh, he sings to Creed for his birthday in the middle of the forest. Uh, I initially noted that he remembers things about his employees' birthdays. He he remembers that it was Creed's birthday. But there is a deleted scene that shows that Pam told him that morning. But still, I think it, it's noteworthy that Michael took a moment to Alone in the Forest, where it doesn't matter, where nobody's going to hear, to sing a song to one of his employees. Uh, Whether he remembered it himself or not, I I think it's a a small moment that shows that he does care.
0: I love that it was mentioned that Michael only sings the high harmony to Happy Birthday. (laughs) And you would think that means in a group setting when everyone is singing Happy Birthday. But no, even Alone in the Wilderness, he only sings the high harmony to Happy Birthday. Uh, So that was not a lie at all.
1: When I'm with friends who I know are Office fans, I signal High Harmony as well. (laughs) Just like Michael Scott. Yeah, just like him. (laughs) Um, Anyways, Dwight did go along and says initially that he's not going to interfere. He's just going to provide unseen moral support. He will let harm befall Michael. He will let him die if it comes to that. Uh, But when Michael comes around to finding and trying to eat mushrooms that apparently were not good for him, Dwight does interfere and uh, forces the mushrooms out of his mouth. And they both return back to the Scranton branch. And Michael has a whole new opinion on nature. He's not trying to prove himself anymore. He says, you know, I don't need the woods. I have a nice wood desk. I don't need fresh air because I have the freshest air around, AC. And I don't need wide open spaces check it out. And he points to his computer and it's like the grand Canyon or uh, another Canyon. And then he says, I can also make it the sky. And so he makes it the sky. (laughs) Uh, He's so flip floppy after he's tried to prove his point and then failed. He, he backflips on it and says, nah, that wasn't that important to me anyways. I don't need all of that. And I don't need Ryan either.
0: I did think it was nice that Dwight, even though, um, He swore up and down that he would let harm come upon Michael. I mean, of course, we didn't expect Dwight to um, actually let Michael die or get sick from these mushrooms, but the fervor with which he ran to help Michael was really, uh, really sweet. And we wondered sometimes if Dwight's loyalty really lies with the company or lies with Michael uh, or really where it lies. But we can see that he does have a a great passion and, and friendship with Michael. I did want to mention Dwight's uh, several weapons hidden around the office. (laughs) When Michael um, says all he wants is a roll of duct tape and a knife, Dwight runs to his desk and pulls out this like case full of knives. So he has several options. And then we get a bit um, where he shows other weapons that he has hidden around the office. He's got a can of pepper spray under his desk, as we saw on Roy when he used it on Roy. Um, a dagger looking thing, or two of them rather behind the water cooler, not sure what those are. A knife in the filing cabinet under the name Mr. A Knife. <laughs> <laughs> um, a sword in the ceiling and a blow dart in the tank of the toilet.
1: He is uh, prepared and he says, I say it's better to be hurt someone hurt by someone, you know accidentally, than by a stranger on purpose. And he, every time he shows us a weapon and sort of lifts it and unsheathes it, if, it, if it's got a sheath, uh, he he has like this huge look of satisfaction on his face. Like, yeah, look what I got. You better watch out <laughs> every single time. Um, and when he first takes Michael out to the forest and is sort of leading him through the brush, he purposely leads Michael through like tall grass to simulate this this enormous trek when it's probably just like... A hundred feet off the highway, to be honest. <laughs> Anyways, while all this is going on, we've got Jim playing boss. Uh, Michael has left him in charge, and he decides, okay, it's it's Creed's birthday today, and then next week it's somebody else's birthday, and then two weeks after that it's somebody else, And, and there's, there's four birthdays in this month alone, and so he decides... Let's save time. Michael's not here. Let's put them all together. It's going to save us time. It's going to save us money. It's going to help us be more productive in the long run. Everybody's happy, right? Well, not everybody's happy because everybody misses the personalization that comes with having your own party. You get to pick your favorite cake, you get to have an afternoon focused on you. All that fun kind of stuff, and Mike or Jim. Well, well, look what I just did. I accidentally called Jim Michael. Uh, Wow, that was unplanned. Uh, (laughs) um, He understands the the difficulties that go into making decisions as a manager because you're not always going to make the popular choice, and uh, that sort of puts him on Michael's side a little bit more than normal.
0: Yeah, he really uh, does not like being in Michael's shoes right now, and. As you kind of (laughs) just did, I guess it's easy to do, Phyllis accidentally called Jim Michael. He's boss of the day. He was speaking to them as a group. He almost held a conference room meeting, which he really didn't want to do. Pam kind of called him out on that one. And Phyllis called him Michael, and he just, oh, okay, that's going to haunt me forever. Um, (laughs) He was kind of feeling the pressure of just one silly office party, even, not even the real responsibilities of an office manager. So, um, yeah, I think you'll stay probably in sales for the time being.
1: <laughs> he even starts to understand Michael's frustration with Toby because Toby comes up and says, you know, my, my, my birthday was two months ago and it was uh, a party at four fifty eight on a Friday and everybody's saying happy birthday in the parking lot. So, uh, I don't see what's the harm in me being included. <laughs> And Jim says, Jim does his own Toby impression and says, well, it's a cake, Toby. So, you know, <laughs> uh, he, he understands uh, it's something about being in that managerial position that makes you uh, have uh, conflicting feelings with HR.
0: Apparently. And as we've um, indicated with the corporate office, even they don't like their HR reps. So it must be widespread.
1: And at the end of the episode, after Michael has returned and he sits down next to Jim and says, so how'd it go? Jim says, well, I tried to put all the parties together and people did not like it. Michael says, yep, I tried that one. Oh, you tried that. Okay. Uh, Michael says, yeah, give it another 10 years. You'll you'll get used to it. You'll get around to it. Yeah. Jim says, well, I'm not going to be here in 10 years. And then even Michael, Michael, who loves Dunder Mifflin, says, yeah, that's what I said. And so there's almost like a moment of momentary panic in Jim's eyes, I think. He doesn't blow it out of proportion, but it's like, oh, I didn't even consider that this might be something that's a little bit more long term than it already has been.
0: Well, even in the pilot episode of season one, he says, if this were my career, I'd have to, he says, like jump off a ridge or step in front of a moving car or something. Um, He really does not want this to be his career. Uh, he's he's made that clear mm-hmm. before. So he just kind of, yeah, Michael's words hit him and said, I might be here for a very long time. This might be my career.
1: But it does end on a happy note as they exchange that's-what-she-said jokes. And Michael reveals that the reason he does the that's-what-she-said jokes is to sort of r- relieve tension in the room, or at least that's his plan. Doesn't always work out that way, but Jim... Ends with a pretty good, pretty well-placed, that's-what-she-said joke of his own. So maybe it's not so bad to follow a little bit in Michael's footsteps.
0: Speaking of that, that's what she said. Should we move on to some funny moments?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: We were talking earlier about how Phyllis and uh, Pam and Toby all had talking heads saying how Michael wasn't invited to the Get to Know You camping retreat. Pam said, well, apparently... I mean, it was a get-to-know-you retreat. Apparently, they already knew everything that they needed to know about him. (laughs) She (laughs) said it in a way that was kind of like, yeah, once you meet him, you kind of... That's all you need to know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, just pretty much.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Um, that's it. When
1: Michael... When Michael shouts out uh, that he wishes he had been invited to Ryan's retreat, he also shouts, Jan has plastic boobs <laughs> and I have hemorrhoids. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he was keeping a video diary, so I don't know if he just planned on the video diary to be uh, private this entire time. Because, I mean, theoretically, somebody would have seen that eventually. Uh, I don't know. But anyways, it, it's a funny moment.
0: When Michael and Jim are talking before Michael leaves, he says, when I return from my trip, I hope to be a completely changed human being. Jim says, that'd be great.
1: (laughs) 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 Please do. (laughs) Please do change. Right. (laughs) Uh, One of my favorite Dwight moments of the episode is when he's watching Michael via the scope of his rifle. Uh, and he turns oh, back to the camera yeah. says, oh, don't worry, I'm just using the scope and the safety is, he checks the safety, flips it on, on, <laughs> it was not on, <laughs> but it is now.
0: No. <laughs> also with Dwight on their way out to the, quote, wilderness, Dwight goes into specifics about how if he were a serial killer, what he wouldn't wouldn't do, he um, would not just leave Michael in the wilderness and hope he died, but he would instead remove his fingertips and teeth. And, uh, he even has a nickname for himself, the overkill killer. So Dwight has clearly thought a lot about, uh, his potential career as a serial killer.
1: Yeah, that's almost, it's a pretty disturbing moment because Dwight has clearly put a lot of thought into this or, uh, has some sort of reference uh, in some sort of media or something. like I don't know, but it, it is a momentary... Yeah, that, that's real creepy, Dwight. You took it a little bit too far. Yeah. Um, Stanley, uh, there's a, a brief exchange between him and Oscar as the, the group is complaining about Jim's combined party. Stanley says, I took an extra shot of insulin in preparation for this cake today. If I don't have some cake soon, I might die. <laughs> Oscar says, why don't you just have an apple? Stanley responds, "Why don't you mind your business?" <laughs>
0: yeah, that sounds about right. I, I would. That sounds like an exchange I might have if I was diabetic. You know, hey, why don't you just have an apple? No, I'm gonna have cake. Mind, yeah. j- mind your business.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't tell me how to live my life. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> this was cake insulin, not apple insulin. Calm down. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I think one of the smallest moments that makes me laugh every time I watch this episode is when Michael is talking about um, how many uses his suit has in the wilderness. And he has what looks like um, maybe the back to his jacket or it's a large piece of material. And he says, see, this is a beautiful piece of material. And he just rips it in half. (laughs) He says, It it can be used for, for all sorts of things. But he's ripping up this, quote, piece of beautiful material into shreds. I don't know why. It makes me laugh every time.
1: (laughs) Uh, There are a couple of small Creed moments. I love when he pulls Jim aside to tell him that he wants a peach pie or a cobbler. And he he makes it sound like it's some sort of underground secret exchange. And he says, tell Angela it's for Creed. She'll know what that means. Like that it's for Creed. (laughs) Uh, I don't know what other meaning that could have. But yeah, it's for Creed. If you tell her that she's going to know. And then uh, when when everybody's complaining, it's the same scene as a Stanley Oscar exchange. Uh, when Jim walks in, uh, Creed says nothing. We're, we're talking about nothing. Come on, gang. As if he's the leader of this little club and everybody's <laughs> going to follow him out. But he just walks out by himself and everybody just sort of stares like, well, that was weird. <laughs> what about deleted scenes?
0: We have a similar deleted scene as to the one that was left in, where Michael asks Jim if he would hypothetically go camping with her. We have one where Michael asks Pam if she would hypothetically go camping with him. Except even in a hypothetical, Pam says, No, I would not go with you. (laughs) Michael thinks it has something to do with the fact that she thinks Michael would hit on her or make a move. He says, No, no, no. Jim is like a brother to me. I would never do anything to you. I would never say anything to you. Would you hypothetically go camping? She says... No. <laughs> Pam, Pam is out, even in the imaginary world.
1: Right. Well, she she points out the same thing that Jim does, uh, that eventually Michael's hypotheticals turn into actual situations. And so she's not going to entrap herself in any way uh, like that. Uh, Ryan has a deleted scene, and we mentioned this earlier, uh, but he had this retreat. He wanted to take some guys that he likes for a retreat, but it didn't get funded. He says it's a green retreat and all of a sudden it's funded. He calls himself a wonder again, uh, which I, I already went on a rant about that. I'm sure he does. Nobody calls him a wonder It's just a word he calls himself. And then he reveals that uh, anytime someone says it's a green initiative, it's a scam because nobody does things for the environment, just for the environment. There's always some sort of hidden agenda, uh, according to Ryan, at least. Maybe that's how he feels, but I, I don't think it's like that for everybody.
0: <laughs> Angela has a talking head um, as head of the party planning committee. She's a little under stress right now with this birthday month. And she says, you want to know why there are so many birthdays? Nine months ago was Valentine's Day. Stagger your sins, people.
1: <laughs> like, uh, which does give us a, give us a timeline uh, for the season. Yeah. Uh, this the is The last s- whole season, which is nice.
0: November, I guess.
1: Yeah, and then looking at the next episode, which we're about to get to, uh, The Deposition, they mentioned that their relationship started in early February. So since season three, Valentine's Day episode, uh, it's only been nine months.
0: Yeah, I guess that's right.
1: In fact, that's season two. Season two is Valentine's Day. So it's only been Mm. nine months or so over the last season and a half.
0: Oh, wow. That's odd. Yeah. I don't know why, this might just be me, it might not be, I'm not sure, but I I usually associate a season with a year, I guess because they come out, you know, they generally start around the same time every year, but we are going a little slower in this one, so that's cool.
1: Yeah, it it is a smaller detail, but I don't know if I'd ever put that timeline together in my head before, but uh, that's the way it seems to line up, because uh, Valentine's Day was right before Jan and Michael started their relationship, and... Uh, yeah. So that nine months is the the timeline since mid season two, or towards the end of season two. Um, now as far as deleted scenes go, uh, for uh, Survivor Man, I've got one more, which is sort of just a compilation of Michael's wilderness exploits. Uh, he claims that the ravine in the forest was formed by enormous icicles. And I just wrote, nope. Nope. (laughs) Uh, He calls something a fir tree, and a fur tree is a real thing, but it is spelled F-I-R. And he says, this is a fir tree, F-U-R, which is where they get the coats. Uh, No. (laughs) No, (laughs) still no. And then uh, he, he hears an animal call. He says, ah, that's a falcon. There aren't many of those left in these woods. And he says, there's only seven in the United States. Uh, but then the camera pans over and it's Dwight making the <laughs> animal sound in the background.
0: <laughs> I guess hunting his own food. That's kind of what I was thinking. Cause Dwight is, you know, we have a moment where we see him uh, hunting, if you will, in a bird's nest and he finds some eggs and cooks them up for lunch. I guess his bird call is uh dinner. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Well, that's it. I think for deleted scenes for me, um discussion topic how long would you survive in the wild and why
1: well let's see what 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 are our stipulations do we get the same things as michael do we get duct tape and a knife or i was thinking
0: yeah like if you had a knife and let's say something a little bit more practical like i don't know um You can tell I would not survive very long just by
1: not being able to think (laughs) of things to take.
0: Uh, A knife and, like, um, I don't know. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Okay, well. A knife um, knife and one
0: thing. What would you pick? And then how long would you survive with those?
1: Okay, a knife and one thing. Probably a fire starter.
0: See, I was going to say that, so I'm not too far. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I was in Cub and Boy Scouts for a long time. I quit when I was a freshman or sophomore in high school, I want to say. Uh, So I didn't finish. I'm not an Eagle Scout. though. One of my uh, previous roommates was an Eagle Scout. Uh, So, I mean, I I think I do okay, but I don't have a lot of practical knowledge of how to explicitly survive on just my own resources. So... I think I could do okay, and you know, I, I think back to back to books like Hatchet that I read when I was a kid. Uh, we adapt, you know, you figure things out, and provided you can figure things out quick enough, I think I'd I'd be okay for a little while.
0: <laughs> well, I'm bringing you because um, I <laughs> would not survive. I, as my friends and family can attest, I am the world's hungriest person, and when I get hungry, I stop functioning. Um
1: <laughs> I seriously
0: I sat down and like thought about it the other day. I have to eat like every 5 hours or else I just don't like I I start shaking, my blood pressure drops, I stop thinking it's awful. I get so hangry. Um to the point where it's like a problem medically. <laughs> like you, you need to eat mm. something. Um so probably about a day. <laughs> a day (laughs) (laughs) because i would just die like i i'm i'm always starving so yeah um i when michael is like it's been about three hours since my last meal i'm like yeah you probably need food (laughs) i feel you there
1: (laughs) i I was gonna tease michael about that earlier i'm kind of glad i didn't know
0: because
1: (laughs) you seem to be on the same wavelength in some respects i'm
0: like yeah i'd be I'd, i'd be pretty hungry too so it's fine
1: Well, moving on to our next episode, uh, this is a much heavier episode. This is The Deposition. It aired on November 15th of 2007, was directed by Julian Farino and written by Lester Lewis.
0: Michael and Jan are heading to New York to be a part of Jan's wrongful termination lawsuit against Dunder Mifflin. The awkwardness here, of course, is that Michael is loyal to both parties of the lawsuit, Jan and Dunder Mifflin. Meanwhile, the office is taking sort of a lazy day with Michael out of the office. The warehouse has a ping pong table, so Jim and Daryl are playing. Jim keeps losing, but Pam pushes him to keep practicing so he doesn't, so she doesn't have to hear Kelly's smack talk anymore. In the deposition, it comes out that Jan stole from Michael and broke his trust, and Michael learns the truth about his job application to corporate.
1: Him and. Jan have practiced what Michael should say so uh, according to Jan they don't leave anything up to chance or to Michael's judgment which probably pretty good idea but uh, uh, not not okay uh, and it's in like the terms point, of legality
0: yeah it's like the point yeah. of, of having him testify is that he should be able to air his judgment and uh, right. he can't do that if they've rehearsed
1: right uh, which we get a, the first glimpse of Michael's interesting mnemonic memorization technique. Uh, we see it a little bit more later in the show, uh, just once or twice. Uh, but it helps him to memorize exact phrases prepared by Jan. Uh, she has a talking head after the deposition has begun where she says, a lot of people underestimate Michael. There are plenty of things that he is well above average at. And she, you wait for her to list things. And she says, ice skating. Yeah, he, He's a pretty good <laughs> ice skater. Which we saw back in uh, season two when uh, they went to the skating rink for his birthday while Kevin was waiting on news about his skin cancer.
0: That's right. But we expect Jan to say something else, anything else, and it cuts. (laughs) She doesn't say anything else. (laughs) So they get to the corporate office. Michael tries to kind of. Breaks some tension, he sees Toby there and gets really angry that Toby's there. Toby is, of (laughs) course, on Michael's side, um, but Michael doesn't want to have anything to do with him. And I've kind of written down a point-by-point summary of what happens in this deposition, because it's a little complicated if you haven't watched the episode recently. If you're not remembering it well, this might help. So, first, Michael defends his relationship with Jan to Corporate. Um, he pulls the relationship disclosure he pulls the relationship disclosure uh, that they filed with HR, proving that their relationship is legitimate and and uh, okayed by corporate
1: the, the love f- contract the
0: love contract right exactly <laughs> the photograph of them in Jamaica is revealed the one where Jan is topless he lets slip that they were that they first kissed two years ago of course he had told them that they're relationship began in February of this past year, so I guess nine months, like we said. Mm -hmm. Jan stole Michael's diary and used it um, in the deposition. The entry from Jamaica that states that they slept together, but that neither neither party considered themselves in a relationship. It's then decided that 10 copies of Michael's entire diary, no wait 11, because Toby wants one, will be distributed and read. And um, then it is revealed that Jan consistently left Michael really negative, really awful performance reviews, even after they were officially together, even tried to get him fired. David Wallace also had a deposition regarding this situation, and a portion of it is read at this point. Michael learns that he was not a serious contender for Jan's job, and at the end, he hashes it out with a talking head. Jan says she only showed the diary because they showed the Jamaica picture, but she had already brought the diary to New York. Okay, that was a lot of talking, but I think that kind of sums up the catastrophe that was this deposition.
1: It does. Um, Michael, in the middle of that, he, he stumbles over himself a little bit. He does a that's-what-she-said that's joke, which the, a deposition room is not the place for that's what she said jokes. And there has to be some clarification on the part of the stenographer and uh, everybody present because they don't understand Michael's comedy. Uh, but then there is the photo revealed and he gets flustered and reveals things he shouldn't reveal if he wants Jan to win at least. Um, and after the the diary is revealed, he's horrified because everybody has a copy of it now and is sitting around openly reading it at lunch and it, oh. something an interesting detail was that he remembered specific vocabulary that he used in each entry, each entry. So I didn't know if that meant that he just has a really good memory for things he wrote or if he like regularly revisits his diary and relives parts of his life, which I think is reasonable. I mean, I, I've done the same thing, gone back and read through previous like journal entries of my own, uh, but... That being said, I can't imagine somebody getting a hold of my journal and diving into my personal life and not even just diving into it, making copies of it and spreading it around.
0: That's like something out of a nightmare. I mean, honestly, people have the nightmare of showing up to school or work naked. This is sort of that. Um, And he looks around the cafeteria or the commons or whatever, and he sees Toby reading it and he sees Ryan reading it and strangers and all these people that he either, A, hates, like Toby, or B, wants to wants them to respect him. And they're all reading not only that one entry, but his entire diary.
1: Ugh, that's not okay. And Jan tries to justify it by saying, well, you emailed a picture of topless around to the entire company, so let's call it even. Well, they weren't dating in any official capacity then. Michael accidentally sent it. To everybody in the company. Remember, he tried to send it just to uh, Packer, Packer, but he ended up sending it to Packaging. Um, and so it spread like wildfire. Not his fault, technically. It was an accident. But anyways, that all happened accidentally outside of their dating. And here Jan is, several months into their relationship, stealing his personal private diary and bringing it to this deposition as evidence that he did not disclose himself. Uh, So I would certainly say it is not even Stevens, as she tries to imply, uh, and I think Michael comes to that realization later on as well.
0: Michael doesn't even realize that Jan knows where he keeps his diary. Of course, he keeps it under her side of the bed, but he doesn't even want her reading it at all, even Jan, so that must have been a huge betrayal of trust to to bring that to the deposition. I mean, really really probably the lowest thing we've seen from Jan so far.
1: I would agree. Um because it's 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 going against Michael's trust. And he's already had reason to not trust Jan in the past, but he's forgiven and now she's just giving him more and more reason to not forgive. Uh, and, and we see the tension between the two of them in the car ride home at the end of the night where they're saying, well, we need to save money. Uh, what's a, a cheap option for food? And she suggests Chinese. And he says, no, cheap. She sa- "He's uh, No, she says, uh, well, Chinese food was my cheap option. He says, how about fast food? Okay, fast food it is. Uh, but they're barely talking to each other because Michael does side with the company. And uh, that, that, deposition reading from david wallace is really upsetting because i really like david and i don't think he's a bad guy i he he tried to make michael feel included he tried to give him uh a chance at the job and say yeah you are being considered and maybe he wasn't seriously considering him but he was trying to make michael feel good about being a longtime employee with his company and to have that taken away from him uh in front of David and for the the truth to come out that no, he wasn't under serious consideration for this position. Uh, it, it sucks. And I, I feel really badly for Michael and David feels really badly and goes up and apologizes afterward. But Michael being Michael. And I say that in a positive way this time uh, he focuses on the part of that deposition that says, Hey, he's a nice guy. And so he says, Hey, David, I think you're a nice guy too. And yeah, he was maybe a little bit hurt by the fact that he wasn't actually considered for the job, but his loyalty is still with Dunder Mifflin because Dunder Mifflin's loyalty has always been with him and he still has a job and uh, that's that.
0: I really respect David Wallace at the end of this episode for coming up to Michael in such an awkward, hard situation and shaking his hand and apologizing, looking him in the eye, being real with him and just saying, look, this sucked. I'm really sorry. We didn't mean for you mm-hmm. to get wrapped up in this. I'm so sorry. And and Michael tries to blow it off and say, ah, oh, it's whatever. And David says, no, this was awful. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. Jan. It's his, such a genuine apology. It, it really is. I mean, I, I really, really like him for that. Um, and Jan, who is supposed to love and support Michael through everything, can't do that. She. <sighs> I, I mean, I get it. I get it, it's hard. If if she thinks that she was wrongfully terminated and Michael sided with the company, ah, it's just, there's no good verdict for their relationship at this point, I think, um, because they just sided against each other, and that's never a good sign.
1: I wonder if Jan was actually concerned about being wrongfully terminated or was seriously just after a big paycheck, you know,
0: honestly, because
1: it's revealed $4 million and $4 million is really tempting. Uh, And she was willing to do anything, including risk her relationship with Michael in order to get that $4 million and she's not going to get it. And so we'll see what happens with their relationship going forward, because at the end of it, at the end of this episode, it's not in a really good place.
0: It should also be noted that before any of this, right when Michael and Jan get to corporate, Ryan comes up to them and pulls Michael aside. And all of a sudden now Ryan is super buddy-buddy and wants to talk to Michael as a friend. And Michael, of course, (laughs) jumps at the opportunity to be spoken to as a friend with Ryan. Um, And Ryan asks Michael not to do anything that would hurt the company. So Michael doesn't. I don't know if that's for Ryan. And honestly, I don't think that it is for Ryan that Michael sides with the company. I think it's for the company. But it doesn't Mm -hmm. hurt that his best friend slash crush Ryan asked him to do that.
1: (laughs) Uh, One last thing regarding the deposition part of the episode before we get to the the lighthearted stuff. Uh, Toby tries to console Michael at lunch. Michael, looking around and seeing everybody reading his diary, is left with really no choice of where to sit except for next to Toby. So Toby says, you know, I know and understand a little bit of what you're going through. When I was a kid, my parents divorced and both of them asked me to testify against the other one, uh, which sucks. But yeah. Michael, uh, Michael ends up, you know, I I tried <laughs> and I can't take it from Toby. I still can't take it even in this moment right here. And so I'm just going to push his lunch off the table. And that, that's what he does. He pushes Toby's lunch off and then just walks away.
0: Yeah, wordlessly. uh yeah so pretty big um dramatic episode but there was a, a b plot as it were um which was the ping pong bit so as i said uh kelly sorry jim and daryl are playing ping pong all day long and daryl keeps beating jim kelly keeps smack talking Not trash talking, but smack talking, (laughs) Pam, um, just talking about how much better Daryl is than Jim at ping pong.
1: Kelly, she's a real kind of bully in this episode. Lots of rude things being said about Jim and his family. Uh, There's a moment where she stands in the doorway of the restroom as Pam is trying to exit and she's trying to enter and uh, she doesn't yield and waits until Pam steps out of the way so that she can go in and she says, yeah, that's what I thought. And it's just incessant, uh, her smack-talking Pam and Jim, and I, I really don't like her in this episode. It's really the first time I think I could say regarding Kelly, I don't like you.
0: Yeah, Kelly's always been, you know, a bit frivolous and mouthy, but never quite like this. Uh, don't care for it either, which is why Pam gets so emphatic to Jim, like, you have to keep practicing. I cannot take this anymore. <laughs> um, mm mm-hmm. And so she sets up a whole string of opponents for Jim to practice with, uh, including Kevin. I think Meredith is maybe seen coming out of the room. Uh, Yeah.
1: She says, don't patronize me when when Jim tells her good game.
0: Right. That's right. And ending with Dwight, who is a pretty great ping pong player.
1: Yeah. He lists that uh, he he had several heroes who were uh, ping pong players. In fact, I, I, I think probably the first time I watched this episode and still sometimes on rewatches, if it's been a while, I think, is he going to name Forrest Gump? Does he name Forrest Gump? (laughs) And he doesn't, he names real actual foreign ping pong players who have won Olympic medals. And so Dwight is pretty serious about his ping pong and, uh, shows Jim a thing or two in that he just beats him over and over and over again. Um, Jim, uh, fakes out Dwight. He he gets him to help him with practicing his ping pong by saying, I've, I've got this this client tomorrow who's a ping pong pro. I need to make this sale. Will you help me practice? And when Pam comes in towards the end and says, Okay, I'll call Daryl now. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. And Dwight says, No, he he works here, dumbass. <laughs> I, I love that quote. That's so funny.
0: He's not the client. He works here. And Jim's like, oh, <laughs>
1: right. Oh, right. right. Yeah,
0: I forgot. <laughs> Not a whole lot to that storyline, but it's a much needed relief from the deposition. So glad that they threw that in there.
1: Yeah. Them. And it does end with uh, Daryl still beating Jim at ping pong and Kelly continuing to smack talk Pam. And Pam has enough and says, hey, you and me right now, let's play. Kelly's a little scared. And they both start playing, and it's revealed that they're both just awful at ping pong. They're getting nowhere. And so Jim and Daryl say, hey, you want to go upstairs and play on that table? They say, yep. So they're just in it for the fun. They just want to play each other. Win or lose, who cares? Let's play ping pong together.
0: Yeah, but of course, Kelly made it a competition, and uh, nobody could enjoy it after that. So the guys went upstairs and played on um, on the practice table, and the girls kept playing horse or whatever they were playing downstairs. So... Uh, all is happy. And of course the episode ends, uh, the very last cut of the episode is Dwight and we get to see our buddy Moe's again playing just (laughs) the world's most perfect game of ping pong. Just absolutely like volleying back and forth over the net. It's pretty hilarious.
1: Moving on to funny moments. Uh, the, the cold open has Pam or Michael has Pam making up phone calls, uh, coming in for him during meetings so that when she walks in with, uh, uh, quote, call on a sticky note, he can turn it down in favor of present company in order to sort of impress them. Uh, When he's eating lunch with Jan, it works, and she seems pretty uh, impressed. Hey, that's pretty cool. He just turned down a client to spend time with me. I like that. Uh, But when he tries the same thing with Ryan, uh, he, as his boss, obviously wants Michael to answer his work calls. So Michael has to fake a phone call in order to please Ryan. When he's made up a fake one,
0: Kelly gives us a much needed linguistics lesson. Of course, she does not talk trash, she talks smack. They're totally different. Trash talk is hypothetical, like, your mom is so fat she can eat the internet. But smack talk is <laughs> happening right now, like, you're ugly and I know it for a fact because I got the evidence right there. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) Okay,
1: I'll take her word for it. Yeah, I mean,
0: I didn't know the difference, but I'm glad someone did. So I will never forget.
1: One of my favorite Michael moments during the deposition uh, is when he sort of freezes and then asks for line, like in a play, (laughs) (laughs) just because I'm familiar with that experience. Although I've never been in a deposition and asked for a line, but it just shows how rehearsed he was with Jan, that when it came for a time when he would have to improv and come up with original thoughts, who would have thought he doesn't know what to say. And so he says, lion asking for additional input, somebody to tell him what to say.
0: And the other big faux pas, of course, in the deposition is that that's what she said that you mentioned earlier. (laughs) Um, He, the the line was, so you were directly under her the entire time, meaning that (laughs) Michael was a subordinate to Jan the entire time that they were in a relationship when she worked for the company. He said that's what she said. And that confused everyone in the room. Only Michael and Jan knew that he was making a joke. But Michael couldn't, like, backtrack. And Jan was like, please, let's, I want to move on. It was just a joke. And then the, the lawyers really needed to clear up what he really meant by Jan saying that she was his subordinate. Or that she was his superior. It was just all got very confusing. And... They had the stenographer read it back, and Michael just regretted (laughs) any joke he made. It was was a very long, drawn-out, bad joke.
1: Both of the, the moments when the stenographer reads back conversation is really funny there's that time when he makes a that's what she said joke and then there's later when uh we don't see the original interaction but we hear the the follow-up from the stenographer where michael's trying to get out of questioning because he, he says he has to go use a restroom and they said no you can't go use the restroom because last time it was just to get out of the question he says i really have to go it's just this funny back and forth and it's being read non-stop with no pauses from the stenographer it's really funny
0: Honestly, that was kind of it for me in this episode. Funny moments wise, it was such a heavy, sad episode, frankly. Um, And besides the few that we mentioned, it is not one of the funnier episodes, but it's a really important one.
1: It is. I I have just a couple smaller moments. Uh, Michael says at the end of the episode, you expect to be screwed by your company, but you never expect to be screwed by your girlfriend, which is just clever writing because How did I in that some one? respects you do. <laughs> yeah, you do expect to be screwed by your girlfriend, I suppose. Uh, but Michael's just not thinking the way he says it. Um, and then there's the moment when. Uh, the the corporate lawyer says, who's this Ryan you keep mentioning several times? Ryan. who's this girl Ryan. And uh, R- Michael clarifies, well, Ryan's not a girl, just a, a good friend, guy friend, good-looking guy. And Toby is just in the corner laughing. <laughs> it's one of the first <laughs> times we've seen Toby just laughing because he obviously knows who they're talking about, but everybody else is confused. Um, and then lastly... Kevin, when he is first asked by Pam to meet with Jim in the conference room to help, uh, well, it's to help practice playing ping pong, but she says it's to help balance uh, Jim's travel receipts. And Kevin says, are you sure? Because I have Oscar balance my travel receipts. (laughs) And uh, when when Kevin walks in, Angela and Oscar uh, look over sort of suspiciously like, why are they going to Kevin for accounting help? (laughs) And Kevin just says, awesome, as he sees the ping pong table and walks in and the door closes behind him.
0: And Pam puts a meeting in progress sign on uh, just (laughs) to make the facade a little bit stronger. But people know something's up.
1: Now, deleted scenes. What do you got?
0: So at the beginning of the deposition, there's a deleted scene where Michael walks in and asks to make an opening statement. It's allowed. (laughs) um, And he asks everyone to just maybe take a deep breath and um, just enjoy each other's company and basically just implores them to all get along (laughs) he's trying to like mediate this deposition which i appreciate his effort because it's such a tense situation but they're not like he's crazy to think that anyone's gonna just not fight at a deposition because that's sort of the point (laughs)
1: um there's a funny shot of the camera panning through the office uh and we see everybody working and making calls etc And then it lingers, looking through the blinds of the conference room, and we see Jim still playing ping pong. So it's this contrast between Jim getting nothing done and everybody else continuing to work. But there is a a counter to that deleted scene when Jim actually does try to get work done with Oscar. They're sitting at Jim's desk looking through some sort of paperwork. And Pam comes up and interrupts and says, what are you doing? And forces him back into the conference room to continue playing ping pong. Uh it's uh, Pam really is relentless in trying to get Jim to defend her honor or his honor rather because that's what Kelly's making fun of
0: Jim and Andy play ping pong, and Andy is one of those guys that when he's playing a sport or doing an activity and losing it's the fault of the equipment <laughs> um I think we oh, all worst. <laughs> we all know those guys like you're playing soccer and you miss a goal you're like ah well the ball's flat or the grass is wet you're like okay andy blames the table uh because it's not regulation jim goes yeah it's an oval good eye (laughs) um he says what are these paddles made out of jim says probably paddle and (laughs) and the balls are um weighted funny apparently so he makes jim go get another one just Maybe he's just bad at ping pong, but uh, that's Andy. Yeah,
1: he's the worst kind of person to play anything with. Yeah. (laughs) That sucks. I I would not enjoy that at all. Um, Jim playing with Creed. uh, Creed misses the table, and so he starts taking off his shirt while Jim is retrieving it. And Jim turns back and says, what are you doing? Creed says, what, we're not playing strip pong? (laughs) Ooh, (laughs) don't want to see that. No, thank you.
0: (laughs) Jim just gives that, like frown and shake that we know (laughs) just a nope mm -mm, please stop (laughs) (laughs) so michael in the deposition is asked if um when he and jan kissed in the chili's parking lot if he knew about the company's guidelines discouraging that behavior he clearly did know because his response was basically trying to mix the words no and yes so that he wouldn't just be (laughs) lying he was like no <laughs> he's just <laughs> like what are you saying yeah it's
1: like when you're a kid and you try and write the word true so that it also looks like the word false
0: yes i think there's uh, like, a, like a
1: true false question there's like a
0: famous uh not famous but there's a meme that's been pretty popular with that uh drawn out yeah, yeah. True and false. Where it's just
1: totally noncommittal. And if, if it's marked incorrectly, you can say, oh, well, I didn't actually write that. I wrote this. I wrote false. Don't you see? Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's right here. <laughs> um, and then, of course, he starts using a Borat voice and just being really, <laughs> like, awkward and just getting into his little Michael shell. And Jan explains that he does this when he's nervous. He's like a three-year-old. He just cocoons when he's nervous.
1: Uh, Steve Carell is famously a very sweaty individual, and there's even mentioned in the commentary about how it was always freezing anytime he was on set just because he does sweat so much, and that doesn't work so well when you're on a camera all day. Uh, So there are two deleted scenes related to this, uh, and I wasn't going to write it down at first, but then the second one sealed the deal. The first one, he is in like some sort of gift shop or something, and he buys panty liners. Uh, He says it's an old sales trick. Uh, For him, I suppose. I I can't imagine this being super duper popular or necessary for most people. But he puts panty liners under his armpits to uh, sop up the sweat. And later, uh, during the tense part of the deposition, when everything's starting to fall apart... He says, hey, can I go to the restroom? I need to change the panty liners under under my armpits. Like he straight up tells him, he's not discreet about it or anything. It's just, yeah, I've got panty liners in my armpits right now. I need to go swap them out. Is that okay? <laughs> and uh, it, it's just disgusting. And you, you, we follow him to the bathroom and it is so waterlogged. It's, it's gross. I mean, Ugh. I sweat a lot, but I have never reached that level of perspiration.
0: He is a sweaty guy. And I guess they just sort of had some fun with it. Because I guess you have to. Right. But. Right. But speaking of the commentary, um, we did get a commentary for this episode. We mentioned before, I guess, that John Krasinski and BJ Novak went to high school together. Uh, We have another set that I didn't realize. Ed Helms and Brian Brian Baumgartner went to high school together as well.
1: Yeah, and I wonder in instances like that if they knew each other when they went to high school or if it was something that they just learned after the fact like everybody else did uh, via the internet, you know? Right, But yeah. even still, uh, I, I think Brian Baumgartner graduated a year ahead of Ed Helms. Uh, so, I mean, if they were both in, like, drama club, I don't know when they, they got the acting bug, but maybe they were in productions or something together at the time. That'd be pretty cool.
0: Yeah, hypothetically, they knew each other. I feel like these big, um, huge high schools weren't that common maybe when they were in school, but who knows?
1: Yeah. Uh, The hot dog that was on the post-it that Pam brought to Michael when he was talking with Ryan says, hiya buddy. That was drawn freehand by Greg Daniels, the showrunner on a whiteboard. And it was so perfect, uh, the way he drew it, that they meticulously drew it the exact same way on the post-it note. They said it took him a few tries, uh, but they liked the the whiteboard drawing so much, they just had to duplicate it on the post-it, which was pretty funny.
0: They say in the commentary that it's the first time that we've seen the inside of Michael's PT Cruiser, but that's not true. We saw it, of course, in Branch Wars uh, when Jim was hiding from Karen.
1: Yeah, that's true. I wonder if they were shot out of order or something.
0: Uh, Oh, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe.
1: Maybe not. Uh, Who who knows? Uh, I think it's still interesting tidbit for sure. Um, Let's see. The, The ping pong in the episode was all real and not CGI, but it was tough and took them hours of filming just because of how difficult it is to choreograph and to do the timing of when the ball lands and timing it with the line and John Krasinski having to fake not being really good at ping pong just because he's sort of naturally athletic and gifted that way and all kinds of intricacies that were involved. Uh, and it was also revealed that it was evolved like the idea of including ping pong in at all was evolved from something that the writers of the show do to distract themselves, just like with playing call of duty uh which they added at the beginning of season three when jim was at stanford
0: almost all of the ping pong was real the, right the exception being of course and unfortunately the dwight mose um <laughs> killer ping pong at the end i was hoping that was real of course but unfortunately it was cgi
1: yeah that was the one exception um and just uh speaking of ping pong in general it wasn't the original focused side plot in the original draft of this episode it was going to focus on Dwight somehow getting stuck in the wall
0: yeah Uh, I don't know uh,
1: yeah I don't I don't know if he was maybe tracking down something or or what but uh, that would have been interesting to see for sure and I mean we can go ahead and say that doesn't happen in any of the episodes that I can remember at least Uh, so it was a scrapped idea but Yeah, it's interesting to see how things start off versus how they finish.
0: Speaking of Dwight slash Rain and ping pong, um, Rain couldn't and didn't memorize all of those ping pong players' names. He had a giant cue card off camera because (laughs) that would have been ridiculous. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, The deposition room is the same room as the reception area room. They just redressed it and moved some furniture around. So that's pretty cool that it's just the same room repurposed. And I never would have known if they hadn't pointed it out to me.
0: Apparently the writers have this whole concept going, which I can't say is ever developed or never really talked about anyway, um, that Ryan's friends all have to be shorter than him. So um, we, we will get to meet one very soon. I won't spoil anything, but Ryan is already not a huge guy, um, but it makes total sense when you look at his personality that he has to be the biggest guy in every aspect.
1: Yeah, it's just uh, a way for him to assert dominance, I suppose. Uh, He's got I like don't a, know.
0: A, a Napoleon he, thing going on.
1: Yeah, that, that's a good way of putting it, a Napoleon complex.
0: We talked briefly earlier about um, Jan not being able to list other things that Michael was good at. Um, She said he's a good ice skater, and originally she was also supposed to say that he was good at making eggs. So two very uh, worthwhile things.
1: (laughs) She clearly has a lot of affection for him. If uh, The only two uh, positive traits or things that he is above average at she could list are... uh, making eggs and ice skating.
0: And then I only have two more. The cafeteria shown at corporate is actually the commissary at Universal Studios where the executives eat. So that's kind of cool, a little tour of Universal. And last one for me, the props team actually wrote in every single page of Michael's diary. The uh, diary that is handed over in the deposition, every single page of it is filled up with real um, would-be Michael Scott quotes. And it was all character-appropriate stuff, too. So it was all stuff that Michael could and might have said, which is really neat. Um, that's some seriously dedicated prop team.
1: Yeah, I love details like that. You see a lot of that kind of level of detail in the Harry Potter films as well, if you ever watch the special features or anything thing like that, where just the smallest little prop in the background that you're never going to see close up behind a camera Uh, has all kinds of thought put into it. And I love when production teams do that kind of detail work. So very cool that they included such uh, attention to detail in Michael's diary.
0: You've got our discussion topic for today, Chad, right?
1: I do. I just thought I would ask, what is a sport or other activity that you are very competitive with?
0: Um, I can't say I'm too competitive of a person, But anytime I play board games, which keep in mind, I don't play board games very often, so I'm not really good at any of them. I get unnecessarily competitive, especially for somebody who is not good at things. (laughs) And then (laughs) um, I rode horses growing up really competitively for a long time. Um, Competitively, of course, meaning like in competition, but I wasn't a super competitive personality. However, one of my Mm -hmm. good friends, uh, actually the same girl that got me into watching The Office. So hi, Nina, if you're listening. Um, (laughs) We rode horses together. In fact, she was a trainer's daughter. And I can say this without her ears burning at all because we've talked about this together. But I tried so hard. I did everything right. Nina would show up the day of the competition, slap a saddle on her horse and haven't, you know, she hasn't ridden in three weeks and wins. And that pissed (laughs) me off every time i was so mad and that's really the only time i got just really competitive because i just had to beat nina <laughs> nice
1: um, <laughs> what about uh, you? i i'm not i'm not overly competitive i had a friend i used to compete with grades uh in elementary school uh, just see who could get better grades which is extremely nerdy i understand but uh, that was us <laughs> i love it and other than that the 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 only other thing that really comes to mind is like stupid like high scores on video games or something like that if i remember when angry birds uh not angry birds uh flappy bird was an app for like two weeks on iphones uh a few years back i was okay at it but then somebody got a higher score and i was like well i want to beat that high score so i play until i beat their high score and then somebody would beat mine and well now i gotta beat their high score and so it wasn't (laughs) Like an absolutely, I have to be the best at anything kind of situation, but it's little things like that where if you challenge me on it, uh, then I'm going to do my very best to surpass. So
0: that's fair, yeah. Like it, if I get a direct challenge from somebody, I can be pretty competitive, I guess. But yeah, I, as far as general games and sports, I'm eh, whatever. Th- the better player. Yeah, I'm
1: and in. even like like school rivalries. I'm not a huge fan of school rivalries. To me, it's like yeah, let's just support our team. Whether that means we we tear down the other team or not, I don't care. I I, Like, go Texas Tech. I want you to win, but that doesn't mean I want everybody else to lose. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: I'm like, all right, well, they played better football, so they deserved it. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I'm just a a real fair-minded person in that way. I I don't really care.
0: We are used to losing football games, Chad, so. uh. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) sad, but true. <laughs> well, that wraps up the end of the thirty-fourth episode of *An American Workplace*. You can contact us at facebook.com/workplacepod or at workplacepod on Twitter. You can rate and review and subscribe on iTunes if you care to, uh, and email feedback and ideas to workplacepod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at ktlady623 or at facebook.com/katie.white.
1: And the best place to find me is at Chadadada on Twitter. That is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. Also, facebook.com slash chad.hopkins. And you can listen to my other podcast, Cinescope, where we talk about the movies we love and why we love them. And you can find that where podcasts can be found and at the com.
0: Show notes and all contact information can be found at workplacepodcast.com. That's all for this week. Thank you for joining us to watch one of our favorite shows, The Office, here on episode 34 of An American Workplace. Make sure to join us at episode 35 for our discussion on the next episode of season four, Dinner Party. Bye! That, he was good at making eggs, so... <laughs> two very uh worthwhile things
1: yeah he, he uh, uh yeah i don't have anything to say beyond that <laughs> yeah
0: every single page of it is filled up with real um would-be michael squat goodness
1: <laughs> michael squat <laughs> michael <Scott.
0: laughs> oh my gosh